Welcome to Brand Story. I'm your host, Steve Gilman, and today we're going to test drive a new short segment that we're going to be doing. And for this segment, I have a co-host, and my co-host is Lindsay Lachlan, who is our marketing strategist here at Gravity Group and who's been a guest on the podcast in the past. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm good, and I'm looking forward to doing this. I think uh, I think our audience will have a lot of fun. So what we're going to do today is we're going to just dive in and break down some positive stories from the world of brand and marketing. Some things you might find inspiring or something that might help spark that next great idea. So, Lindsay, what did you bring for us to talk about today? So, if anyone follows me on LinkedIn, they know that I am a huge dog person. Um, And so, I brought a tale of two pet companies to share with our audience today. Cool. Yeah. Jump right in. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So I think probably a lot of our audience has heard of Chewy, um, which is a really popular online pet retailer. But there was actually a company that came before them called Pets.com that launched in right around the year 2000. So it's a little bit of a throwback. Um, But this company seemed like it was checking all the boxes, was going to be, you know, this amazing new company, um, a great way for people to get pet supplies online, which was pretty innovative at the time. There were only about five other companies doing this back in 2000. Yeah, they were a big deal. They were like the hottest thing in the market for a little while. They were. They they were hot, but unfortunately, they were only hot for a hot minute. Um, they, they raised almost $83 million in wow. February of 2000 when they went public, but by November, they were filing bankruptcy. And I think it's really interesting to look at their story because on paper, it seemed like they did a lot of things right. They had a sock puppet dog mascot that you might remember. Yeah, I do. Um, Yeah, and he had like this cult following. He was on Good Morning America, and there was even a balloon of him in the Macy's Day Parade that year. And so he was super popular. Everyone knew knew this little sock puppet mascot. Um, They launched a marketing campaign that covered a variety of different touch points and media outlets. It was print and radio and TV. Um, even outdoor, and they ran a Super Bowl ad. Yeah, they were everywhere. They were. It was huge. So it was kind of surprising to see that, you know, they just didn't last. And I think it's interesting to look at what went wrong. But at the time, people just didn't see the, the point of buying pet supplies online. So why would you order online? You People weren't used to shopping online when you could just go down the road to the pet store and buy whatever you needed. So they felt like, or people felt like it was you know, kind of odd to order online and then have to wait for your delivery. But it's hard to be first, isn't it? But then Chewy came along in 2011 and it's interesting. Of course they had, you know, it was a few years later, people were used to shopping online, but they took that perception that people had of online shopping and having to wait for the box. And if you think about any marketing you've seen from them, they really turned that into an opportunity. So their marketing messages focused on, you know, the dog looking out the window for that blue chewy box to arrive on the doorstep and getting so excited. And rather than having to wait for that box um, and having that be kind of a downfall um, or a problem, they turned it into an opportunity and they created an emotional connection with their audience. And now getting to, you know, bring the box in from the front porch and open it with your dog was a really positive experience. And so I just think it's such a cool example of how 
building that connection with your audience can really make or break your business. And then Chewy carried it through. You've probably seen, if you're on LinkedIn, you've seen employees sharing, you know, what a great place Chewy is to work and all of the swag and the support and the things they get from the company. You've seen across social media, there was a post that just went viral a couple of months ago from a customer who had a great, you know, a great experience um, and they shared it on social and it just, it went crazy. So it's just interesting to see how that is, you know, those emotional connections and serving their customers really is the heart of their brand and how much that means and and the impact it can have. At this point, Chewy, uh, I think is worth almost $20 billion and they were acquired by PetSmart back in 2016. So they're obviously doing something right. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, there's a couple of things in that that I think are really fascinating is timing is everything, right? Yes. With brands and then being relevant to the day you know it's really interesting just just the contrast between leaning so hard on the cool mascot and how they presented the entire company was more around the look of it where chewy is more about the caring and the emotion you have with your dog absolutely and i think that positioning is really important and also if you had the choice to see kind of an animated or a character representing a pet versus a cute little dog or cat, I would choose the cute dog or cat any day. So as popular as that mascot was, I don't think it was the best the best fit for them when they have so many cute you know animals that they serve that, that could have been the face of the company. Yeah, that's really interesting how you know it's not as emotional, it's not as personal, and it's not about the customer's story. It's not about exactly. their life. It's a, you know, it's a clever device right. and sometimes a clever device can fall flat. Also, I think my, my, what's interesting about that too is the timing of the rise of social media and online shopping. So they were a little early to the space. Not only was their angle maybe a little off, but they just weren't as relevant to the moment. Absolutely. It's just interesting to look back and compare companies that do similar things and kind of what went into making one a success and and one obviously not, and then how we can apply those learnings to our own business, our own social media and marketing and things that we do. You had told me at one point something Chewy does, um, and I'm not sure they still do it or they struggled with a little bit, but weren't they sending like birthday cards to customers? And, you know, the scale of that I think would be just, you know, astounding, but weren't they sending like personal cards to customers? They do, and it's something that they have a whole kind of customer service team that's devoted to that. They send handwritten birthday cards and holiday cards. Um, They have artists on their team that will go through and find a customer as if you're a Chewy customer, you can upload your pet's photo to your, to your, their profile that you create online, and they will do portraits of pets and just mail them to people randomly and things like that. So that's something I know personally my pets have gotten cards in the past. I haven't for a few months or a few holidays, so I'm hoping that uh, it's something that they're able to keep up with as they keep growing, but I think that's you know something that people look forward to and really makes them stand out. Yeah, that personal touch, I hope it doesn't drop off because once people, once customers get used to that from a brand, they start to expect it. And if you stop doing it, it can become a dissatisfier. So I hope they continue doing that because it's brilliant. Yeah. It's certainly very difficult to do at scale, but it's brilliant. And it's a great way to personalize an online shopping experience because, I mean, they wouldn't have to be so high touch with online shopping. Um, it's not something you necessarily expect. You would expect that type of service if you're walking in a brick and mortar store. So I think that's a nice way for them to bridge that gap and still connect with their with their audience. 
Yeah, they've really humanized it and done such a great job. Um, I love that brand too, by the way, and order from them as well. So I think that's what a cool story. Thanks for bringing that. That was really fun. Yeah, and I think you have a really cool brand story to share as well, don't you? I do. I have one that just has, you know, popped out at me in the last couple of years, and I've been following them, and I just really enjoy what they do because they're a pure brand play. I mean, the only thing that differentiates their product from their competitors is their brand. There's nothing else that does it. So Liquid Death, which is a hilarious name, and it's Liquid <laughs> Death Mountain Water, and it's canned water, and it's a canned water brand that founded by a guy named Mike Cesario. He founded it in 2019, so this has only been around a few years, and their growth has been absolutely explosive. And he was in advertising. He's an advertising professional and worked with brands like Netflix and Coca-Cola. And, you know, he decided to create liquid death after he kind of became frustrated with like the wastefulness and environmental impact of plastic. And he wanted to create a sustainable and eco-friendly package. And, you know, aluminum cans are infinitely recyclable where plastic bottles end up in landfills and in the ocean. So it's a really environmental friendly product, but that's not how they market it, which I think is what's so interesting. You know, he had spent a lot of time around bands. I think he was in a punk rock band and he was making the posters and that's how he got involved in graphic design and he skateboards and that whole that whole world you know is kind of edgy so he decided to do cans i don't know if you've seen these they're they're pretty everywhere now i have yeah yeah and they're fun you know it looks like they're heavy metal drawings they're in tall boy aluminum cans it's edgy and rebellious and you know if you look at most other water bottles it's all soft blues, you know, it's all about purity and and taste and all these things. And, you know, their, their water is really sort of targeting monster energy drinks and Red Bull and people who buy energy drinks and not necessarily people who just buy water. And that's what's so interesting about it. So the marketing they do, the branding they do is edgy and different and unconventional. And that's really the only thing that differentiates them from their competitors is just purely the brand. So I love this example because it's like, if you ever wonder if brand works, this is the example I like to point to. I think it's so interesting that they didn't try to just compete with other water companies. I feel like so many companies entering the market, you know, that's that's what their play would be. So it's interesting that they really just leaned into what makes them different and tried to tap kind of that that energy drink audience. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And I think it comes down to really good insights by, you know, that team and the founder where I believe he was at, you know, concerts where, you know, Monster Energy, which is a huge company, like uh, absolutely huge company that competes with Red Bull and has done very, very well. But, you know, they sponsor a lot of bands and a lot of, you know, like heavy metal and, and different types of concerts and events. And, you know, he would notice the performers would all have the energy drink sitting near them so that it would be on stage, but none of them would drink it because it's, I don't know if you've had an energy drink, but often they're gross and they don't taste very good and they have a ton of chemicals and stuff in them. So he, you know, one of the th insights he had is how can I give people a healthy thing to drink while how it's still having it be a cool thing to buy, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's just brilliant. And they're so they started in 2019 and they have just absolutely skyrocketed. You know, I think they're when they launched, they only had a rendering of the can and then they did a commercial. 
and they put that commercial online for a couple thousand dollars on Facebook to see how it would do. And people loved it. It was very irreverent. It was, you know, very edgy. And we can link to it on the on the notes for this. And they got such a strong response of people wanting to order, and they didn't have a product yet. And they used that social proof, that proof of people wanting it, to get the initial funding to do a run from a water source and, and you know, start canning the water and selling it. And from there, it just has absolutely exploded. Their first big win was them being in Whole Foods and because Whole Foods had nothing like it. And there's a couple of things that they do that I just love. You know, they have a couple of taglines they use. Murder your thirst is one of them <laughs> and death to plastic bottles. I like it. You know, death to plastic. So the whole, you know, <clears throat> liquid death is such a brilliant play and they use it in such a good way that their marketing is some of my favorite. You know, not every brand can do it. And they're right on an edge of between being entertaining and edgy. And sure, probably a lot of people don't respond to their messaging, but they know who their audiences are and they do really well with them. It's a fascinating, fascinating company to watch. I think that's interesting what you just said about knowing their audience. I feel like not everyone knows their audience well enough um, to do what they're doing. And so the fact that they know their audience and what they'll respond to, and they're not trying to be necessarily the water for everybody, but they're trying to be, you know, the water of choice for the audience that they know and love. So that's great. Yeah. And that's what, that's what works. And I think that's their main is knowing their audience, knowing that their audience is young, socially conscious, environmentally aware, and likes humor, likes to be entertained and is a little edgy. So they use humor and they use irreverence and they make fun of other types of marketing and advertising. But they, you know, they have absolutely have values and they have things they're interested in and it's simple and it's easy to understand. You know, an aluminum can is better for the environment than a plastic bottle every single time. And so I think there's, you know, so many things we can learn from that. One, being audience-centric. Two, to be a little bit bold and daring and not just imitate what your competitors are doing and doing the same thing. You know, to find out what's unique about your brand and celebrate that and find out what's unique about your brand and how it connects specifically to your audience and use that, not just put out the same messages or similar messages to everyone else in your industry, which happens way more than it should. I agree. And it's funny, I'm sitting here looking at the whiteboard in my office and I have a quote from you on it that is, be yourself loudly. Um, and I think that the example you picked just aligns with that so well. Yeah, I love them. So we'll uh, put some of their marketing on this page for, for this episode. So thanks for doing this today, Lindsay. This was a blast. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This was fun. Yeah, so we'll be back again to do this and just call up some more positive examples of brands that Lindsay and I like and or things going on in marketing that we just want to tell the story of. And it's a way for us to have some short segments to share with you all. And please tune back in and subscribe and keep following us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, everybody. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story.